When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Peak to Pit. This is week five of the college football season. I'm Allie Peak alongside TJ Pittinger, and the SEC has started. We had real college football on our TV on Saturday, and we had a few upsets. So uh, I-, I personally thought it was a great day of college football. I don't know if you agree, but I sure had fun. It was a great day of college football. Better than that. It was a great night of hockey last night. So uh, that is true. Let's as, talk about that first. As bad as things are in some aspects of college football for me, things are really going well in other sports areas. And so like I've been able to take solace in that. But um man, I was nervous. People will say, like, oh, well, you're not playing. Why are you nervous? And I'm like, well, because I'm oh, I, I get invested. nervous too. I've I've invested. Yes. I mean, since this Bubble started back, right? So late June, so July, August, September, we've played every other night for the last, what, 12 weeks? I mean, yeah, we played, we went 16 and six. We played 22 nights. I have watched every minute of playoff hockey. Um, and I've been invested in this. I, and, and because of American sports, it's so much different than inter, like international soccer and stuff like that. It is so championship or bust in American sports. Like we don't look at the team because we're winners, TJ. We're winners. Yeah, but you know, we almost feel like the team that went 10 and six and didn't make the playoffs. Well, we look at the team that went 10 and six and didn't make the playoffs as having like a more successful season than the team that lost the Super Bowl. When when in reality, the team that lost the Super Bowl was really good at all. But now I'm just saying like, we, we kind of frame it. So like, your season was a fa- this is the best way. You, yeah, yeah. Your season was a failure if you didn't win. Well, the final game was a failure, but your season was so. Anyway, that's just kind of the way we view American sports, and it's very, very different international because they don't do playoffs. They just right. play the regular season, and then you know whoever has the most points in the regular season finishes first, second, third, fourth, whatever. So yeah, I get nervous because I don't want the, it to feel like I just wasted thirty nights of my life watching something that is absolutely meaningless, but it was so cool. I was worried that they would come out a little 
you know, they could have won it in overtime in game five and had a couple of chances and Dallas ended up edging them out in game five. And I was worried about the carryover uh, into game six. A lot of times you see teams, Uh um, I mean, Calgary did that. Calgary could have won in 2004 in game six at home. They had to come back to Tampa for game seven and and they, they lost, right? Like you saw that carryover. It seemed like they couldn't get out of their own heads. Oh, we had the chance to win it. And the Tampa Bay Lightning just completely put all that behind them, dominated from the start of the game all the way through um, a shutout from Vasilevsky. And um, we poured some good bourbon last night at my house to to celebrate the win. So um, it didn't actually man, ever fun. feel in jeopardy at all last night either, which you're right. I was concerned given the game beforehand and, and would, whether or not there would be carryover. But it just everybody seemed so calm and it really never seemed like it, like the game was up in the air at all. Yeah, not a bit. I mean, the I'd say the first the first five or ten minutes were somewhat like you were kind of nervous of who's going to get that first goal, right? But um, you and you want the line to get that first goal. They haven't lost a game where they got the first goal, if I remember correctly, or maybe they're nine and one. But um, you know, even when Dallas had Dallas scored the first two goals um, two games ago, and so in game four, and the Lightning came back and won that in overtime. So you know, you just wanted the first goal. You wanted to be able to like relax for a minute, and then when we went up two nothing. I mean, Dallas only had like nine or ten shots through a through like half the game, and so they weren't getting the chances. We played really, really well in front of Vasilevsky. He was good in goal. Didn't have a ton of work until the third period when they just kind of brought it all on. Um, but man, just watching the time kind of tick away. Once it got down to four or five minutes, we took a penalty. Once we killed that penalty, um, and there were like three minutes left, Kara kept looking at me and saying, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And I kept saying, shut up. Like let, <laughs> weird things happen to your wife. <laughs> I didn't because I'm smarter than that. But like, that's what I was, I was thought it. I definitely thought it. I'm like, hush, be quiet. No more. Don't jinx it. Uh, right. cause hockey's weird hockey. You know, yeah. you can't run, you can't, I mean, you can't run the clock out like you can at football where you're like right. kneeling the ball Correct. and stuff. Somebody scores quickly, well, then, you know, they got a minute and a half to score another one. So, um, but they didn't, you know, time ticks away and, and it was, it was cool to watch them. It was weird watching them celebrate holding the cup up with no fans there and nobody to like cheer right, them on. Right, it was right. Definitely strange. Um, but, but it was cool. There's a, there's a boat parade tomorrow in Tampa and then they're celebrating at Raymond James Stadium tomorrow evening. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do any of that or not, but I'd like to, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's fun times for sure. Like I said, definitely take some of the sting away from, um, what we'll get into college football and stuff like that for me. But, um, yeah, I was really glad the lightning won and the Lakers start the finals tomorrow. So off of one onto the next, the race so still start. pretty good sports week for you. All things considered. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I didn't Florida expect to get a win this this weekend. So if we're really counting this week as starting on Sunday or Monday, you're still good. Bucks yeah, won. I mean, I didn't, I didn't expect the um, Knowles to win anyway. In fact, I picked Miami pretty big on everything that I picked them on. So I mean, I, you know, you're never happy when your team right. loses, but I'll say this: I felt much worse about the Lightning losing later that night than I did yeah. the uh, the Knowles losing 
yeah. you know, first. I, I will tell you, I was driving home from Orlando. I went to Orlando to watch the FSU game with some buddies. And I was driving home, praying it would go to double overtime. And it did so that I could get home and watch the very end of it and celebrate at home. And they scored like as I, you know, the Dallas Stars scored as I was pulling into my driveway. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like I made it all the way home and then my team lost. So I felt yeah. way worse about that. But uh, I wouldn't trade how it happened. I, I liked last night. Last night was fun. I get to be home for the whole game instead of driving on the road and watching it on the three-inch screen on my phone. So it all worked out. Uh, and the Rays, are, the Rays start the playoffs today, game one um, at 5 p.m. So yeah, I'm going uh, – I'm going to Whiskey Cake here in Tampa with Dan Thompson to nice. Well, probably before that, but maybe we'll catch some of the game, or I'll just be home for it. We'll see. But um, but there was college football this weekend. We can start with the yes. peak instead of the pit. Um, just a euphemism. So, um, we were together for the game. We watched this at your house, um, and UF really. The, again, the game was never in doubt. The game was ended up being a little closer than. I feel like felt. it was closer than it felt. The yeah. score is closer than the game felt. And it could have been even closer. I mean, Ole Miss had the ball down, you know, in scoring zone really, really late, you know, and and had a pass to the end zone with no time left. It it could have been like a seven, eight, nine, ten point game. What, what do they lose? Sixteen, so nine point game. You know, if they'd have done it, but. Yeah, it never really felt in question no. at all. Um, but, man, Florida's offense – I mean, talk about, again, peak to pit. Florida's offense versus Florida's defense. There's a definitely a peak to pit, um, you know, parallel, I guess you Comparison could draw there. Florida, there. Which is funny yeah. because that's definitely not um, – if you think about Florida teams for the last 10 years or so, the only consistent thing is that their defense is always good. There's been – uh, you know, many, many years where Florida struggles to put really any points on the board and some years where games are won because of points the defense put on the board. So to be in a position to be like, man, Florida's offense is awesome. I'm concerned about the defense is a new um, is a new feeling for Gator fans in general. I think that there's not as much to be concerned about as it would appear, you know, Ole Miss put up more than 600 yards of offense, which obviously on paper is concerning, incredibly concerning. But Florida was missing a lot of their defensive players. They were missing a couple linebackers, the defensive tackle, multiple defensive backs, which is really where Florida struggled was their DBs, but they were missing multiple starters. Um, they have not really told us when we can expect those players back. I think Tuesdays are usually when they do an updated injury report. So probably later this afternoon, we'll have an idea. Um, I know that the defensive tackle that was out, Lamar Goods, had a strained foot. Um, and Fenley Graham is one of the defensive backs that was missing. He has a broken arm. Um, and Ethan uh, Pouncey is a cornerback. He is out. Um, he had to have hip surgery, so he's done for the year. So he'll be on the injury report all year long. He's not coming back. But outside of that, all of the other names we're missing, we don't have a reason. Florida was missing people for positive COVID tests and contact tracing, though. So, I mean, if we're using our deductive reasoning skills here, I we can assume that these defensive players are probably missing related to that, which is probably good news for Florida fans because it would mean that, you know, if not this weekend, by next weekend, we should have the majority of those guys back in the lineup as long as they aren't. So it's not some injury that we just haven't been told about. Um, so, I, honestly, I'm... 
I'm not concerned. I think that Florida's defense will get a lot better. They'll get guys back. And also one of the things Dan Mullen said, um, which, you know, this could be coach speak, like we've talked about the last couple of weeks, but Florida has tackled. What? I don't even know what it I don't even know what it is, but I'm gonna go ahead and say yes to whatever you're gonna say. Only hit twice since the Orange Bowl is what uh, Mullen said. So uh, that's obviously not the case in a normal year. You've normally gone through an entire spring. Um, you've gone through two-a-days. There have been some major hits delivered generally by the time you start the season. So the fact that those are, aren't happening um, or haven't happened until until now is going to make somewhat of a difference. Hopefully, you know, they pick it up relatively quickly and this defense improves. I think that they will, but man... Over 600 yards of offense for Florida is incredible. Uh, um, Trask tied Joe Burrows for most touchdowns in an SEC opener, six, which, I mean, that's some pretty good company to be in. He threw to 11 different players, which I also feel like is, um, you know, pretty awesome, but also pretty different from most uh, Florida offenses as of late. The offensive line looked great. I thought Malik Davis looked awesome. I, my, one of my little brothers played football with Malik Davis growing up. And he was like, I don't know if you noticed this TJ when he made this comment, but he said he's never seen him catch so well in his life. He's like, for being an incredibly athletic and great running back, he has never been great with his hands, but he had some, he had some great catches as well. Um, I'm pumped. Yeah, no, I think that, um, I think Florida's I think Florida's defense will improve uh, as time goes on. I think you could see some issues with tackling, which would kind of lend itself to some of what Mullen was saying without hitting. Mm-hmm. Um, there were definitely some issues. The secondaries is not as, as as good as it has been in the past. No, and there they were, were missing some issues starters, and that if you're yeah. already not as good, that's a real problem. There were some issues with Ole Miss guys just running wide mm-hmm. open yeah. in the secondary. Um, when you're down and, you know, missing starters in that area, it's, it's tough. Um, so yeah, I, I think Florida's off, I'm sorry, defense will improve. I also think that, you know, the competition will rise, you know, Ole sure. Miss's defense. It will, for sure. It, Although Ole Miss's defense I mean, is not. Their offense was pretty good though, right? All, I mean, it, even Florida's yeah, issues, you know. In, yeah, I think it, I think that. You, one game wild reactions either way or sure, sure, or especially this offense of the season. Florida's offense isn't going to probably be that good all year, and their defense isn't going to be that, that bad. bad. Now, I still yeah. think Florida's offense is going to be good, and I think the defense will be average to good. I mean, it's all like a kind of a sliding scale, like what mm-hmm. you would call, you know, wherever stuff it lies. Yeah. Um, but I think Florida's got a relatively positive outlook. I don't really change, you know, through one game. I don't really think any differently about no. any of the games that Florida's no. going to play, right? Like I'd still, I'd still put Florida at like a nine and one right now. I think that the road is is going to maybe even be a little bit easier than we thought it would be. Um, it appears that way after watching Week One, but again, we can't have right. Week One reactions that are right too intense. So. So anyway, yeah, like, but, you know, we'll see what Florida does against South Carolina this week. And then, you know, is it A&M after that? Um, and then I think you'll have a pretty good idea. I think that, I mean, A&M struggled this weekend. 
and squeaked out a win against Vandy. Had yeah, a lot of mistakes. To and a lot really of... convinced me that Texas A and M was Florida's toughest game until they barely beat. Well, it still Vandy. might be. It <laughs> still might be. Georgia really didn't look very good either, and LSU lost to Mississippi State. So it it might be the toughest game. And I think Georgia's you know, still that, the that toughest could... game. They'll get better, but Texas A and M, I don't think will be a walk in the park. Yeah, and so I don't know that it'll be a walk in the park, but I really I think Florida. I mean, it, it would kind of shock me at this point, but again, that that's kind of a week one reaction. I'm interested to see how Texas A&M does against um, against Alabama this weekend. You know, obviously a much different opponent than Vandy and and a seventeen and a half point favorite. So, I mean, if Texas A&M kind of shows that same effort, they will get absolutely beaten to death. Now, I don't expect it. I would expect Texas A&M plays a little bit better. Um, than they did last week, but we'll see. I think that, um, yeah. So I think Florida. I mean, this is the year for Florida. This is the year yeah. that you've got to you've got to get. We've talked about this. We talked about this last year. We talked about this when we, you know, after the Georgia game last year. It's got to be the year that Florida beats Georgia, but it's got to be the year as well that Florida gets to the SEC title game. I didn't watch any of the Alabama game, so I don't know how good they looked compared to just playing a bad team. Um, you know, but I think well, again, we'll find out a little bit more about Alabama this week when they play Texas A&M, who, you know, is one of the t- I mean, no matter how Texas A&M looked last week, you know, one of the tougher games. And so I, I think but this has to be the year for Florida. The schedule yeah. is way too easy this year. The they're you know, air quotes, tough opponents like LSU and A&M are down. And then you just can't go 0-4 um, against Georgia, right? Like you've got to win one. Um, you, you can't lose four in a row like they would do if they lose this year, right? So, um, yeah, I think that this is the year that it has to be done. The schedule will never line up this well again. LSU will reload next year. They play Alabama next year. Georgia will reload next year. So it's just never going to set up this perfectly again. And so I just think Florida has to do it now. Um, And that's not to say Florida couldn't become great and elite and beat all those teams later. But, man, I don't know that you'll ever have a chance with the SEC as down as it is. This is important to Florida becoming elite, right, this season. You become elite by, you know, winning when you maybe aren't elite just yet. And then that attracts those just one step up recruits that gets you more money for facilities. It just, it's all, it's a chicken or the egg thing. Do you wait to win a national title till you have an elite team or do you win a national title maybe, you know, with a little bit of luck mixed in or whatever, and it helps you create an elite program. And I am tempted to believe that that's kind of the way that it happens. And if that's truly the case, you're right. This is the year. This is the year the schedule lines up for Florida to take that next step. And like we talked about, you know, many episodes, it's easier to go from four wins to 10 than it is to go from 10 to 11. It's easier to go from 10 wins to 11 than it is to go to 11 from 11 to 12. And, and by meaning that I'm meaning a one loss season to an undefeated season, because obviously we're not playing as many games this year as, as normal. But, uh, this is, this is, it feels like do or die, right? It's the the time for Dan Mullen to separate himself as an elite coach as opposed to a really good game day coach. Yeah, and I think a big part of it this year, and my prediction still is 
Um, I don't know that I'm changing it again based off one week. We'll see what happens this mm-hmm. weekend, both in uh, Gainesville and Elsewhere. in Athens. Yeah. But my prediction still is that Florida loses to Georgia but goes to the SEC title game because Georgia has two SEC losses. Um, I think that Alabama is going to beat Georgia this year. And I think that there's a really good chance that Georgia drops another game. I, not, I think there's a possibility Auburn beats Georgia this weekend. Well, that's what I'm very interested to see. Now, Auburn, it's funny because, you know, we, we looked at the we looked at the schedule last week and said, man, there's really just not a lot of great games. And then all of the SEC games ended up being better than I thought they would be, right? Like LSU upset by Mississippi State. Auburn Ooh, also looked fantastic. Another 600 plus, you know, what the heck is going really? on in the SEC this year? Well, they've forgotten how to play defense, well, apparently. You know, Dan Mullen <laughs> actually said prior to the start of of the season, he would in leading up to week one that he expected to see a lot of big offensive performances across the league because of the restrictions that have been on the defenses. And, you know, most schools didn't even get in the two scrimmages that they were allowed to have um, because of COVID stuff. Florida had two did get in there two scrimmages, but that's literally the, um, the max amount of tackling you would have done prior to your bowl game or I mean, since your bowl game. So he kind of predicted that this would happen. So I'll be interested to see if six games in, we're still getting these kind of offensive performances. My gut tells me we won't be, um, but I do think this league kind of expected this. What I'll say though, is that this has been the trend because 10 years ago, maybe even like five, six, seven years ago, the SEC was all about defense, but this has kind of been the trend for the last few years. Well, that's what Lane Kiffin had to, to Mullen at the game. He was like, whoa, when I left, this league was all about defense. What the hell yeah. happened? They've had to, I mean, they've had to adjust, sure, right? Like sure. because, because of the rules with defending receivers and just, I mean, great offense is going, you know, you could, you used to be able to be Alabama and not have a good quarterback and just have a running game, but have 11 NFL guys on defense and just win the game, right? Like Florida won a national championship because they held Oklahoma to what, 14 points. So yeah, that used to, I mean, you're not holding Oklahoma or one of these other offenses to, they've had to kind of adjust to what everyone else is doing. It's been so much now about quarterback play and elite weapons on the outside and running backs that run four ones that it is, it's an offensive league. I mean, you remember last year with, I mean, LSU's defense had a lot of talent, but they weren't great. They gave up like 40 points to Ole Miss or something, you know, like LSU won last year because they were elite on offense. You look at Alabama, they were elite on offense. Yeah. Alabama was elite on offense with, um, Tugavailoa and the different quarterback, you know, even Jalen Hurts and stuff like that. So that's been the trend that the offenses have been picking it up some. And I think that's going to continue now for it to be as bad as it was, you know, last, I mean, even Auburn and stuff, Auburn comes out with good, good offenses, you know, Mond and them. So anyway, I don't, I just don't think it's the defensive league that it once was, you know, I think that the SEC has adjusted and not, not that the defenses aren't good, but like I think they've just adjusted. They don't play that smash mouth Big Ten, you know, everybody's good on defense and we're just going to pound the rock. That's just not what the SEC does anymore. Like they've become elite offensively. Um, getting back to the the Georgia-Auburn game, 
Auburn struggled with Kentucky for a half. You know, the 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 game was 13 to 15 going into the fourth quarter, right? And so I don't know that I think that well, they really struggled with them for three quarters, right? It was a two-point game and they missed a two-point conversion that would have tied it up. Not not predicting that Kentucky would have won if they did that. But um Georgia st- struggled for a half. Uh I didn't see it because I was driving, but apparently must have looked pretty good second half to yeah. to end up piling on the points that they did. You know, I, I'm not going to give you too much credit for blowing Arkansas out, but I mean, they did score what 32 straight in the second half. Right. So anytime you score 32 straight on the road, I mean, is is somewhat impressive, you know. So uh, does do they, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. The the <laughs> Auburn Georgia game is definitely interesting. I think it helps Georgia that it's at home. Again, we've kind of talked about how that is kind of minimized with the lower fan base. But, I mean, if it helps anybody that it's at home, I mean, it's certainly the home team. And then, you know, Auburn wasn't great either. So I think that, I, you know, in looking at Georgia's schedule, Florida would – I mean, obviously, anytime your rival loses, you'd be happy. But Florida would be thrilled if – Georgia could do this because it would immediately put them in the driver's seat for the East, um, which they're not yet. I think they will be soon because I think Georgia's drops a couple, but this is Georgia's second t- besides the Florida game. This is Georgia's second toughest game of the year. It's Auburn and Alabama that they have to play and everybody else they should beat. So um, if my whole prediction of them losing two SEC games outside of Jacksonville holds true, uh, they, they probably need to lose this one. So um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll put, we'll pick it later. Um, when we get into kind of like predictions and stuff like that, but, uh, Florida against South Carolina must champ coming back to town. Uh, these games are always a little closer than they, they should be. I don't yeah. expect by any chance that South Carolina can win. I think the team that the upset team that could have beat Florida was Ole Miss, right? Like right. <laughs> if, if, if Trask just, I, what's kind of scary to think about is if Trask just doesn't have as, perfect of a game he and Pitts and the offense like if the offense sputters just a little bit that game gets really weird quick because because there was no stopping Ole Miss the second half and they kind of beat themselves to death the first half with the tipped pass that ended up being an interception the stop on fourth down I mean they they drove the field even on their two drives that didn't get points in the first half they were down there ready to score again so um Florida Needs to clean some things up on defense. I think they will. And I don't think South Carolina's offense can can do anything close to what Ole Misses did. So I think that this game will be pretty safe for Florida. But things it's do get weird in this matchup. Spread, uh for me because of how how uh crazy this this it's not a rivalry, which I, South Carolina fans have this argument every year with Florida fans that like this is a rivalry. I don't think Florida fans see it as a rivalry, but it's a weird game. It's been a weird game for Florida. Uh, for a lot of years. And that's the only part that that coupled with the fact that it's a noon game make me uncomfortable, not uncomfortable to the point that I think Florida won't win. Florida will win, but I just, those two things together is not usually a good combination for Florida, at least in terms of um, looking impressive. Yeah, no. And I, I wouldn't be worried. Uh, You know, what would worry me is if Florida's offense, not worry me as a fan, because I don't really care. 
But what would worry me as a Florida fan is if it's low scoring, if there's any kind of weather that comes in and and you're not able to kind of like throw the ball as much. Gorgeous on Saturday, it's a high of like 80, which will be glorious in the swamp compared to what it could be. I was going to say you and Kara are the same on this. You keep she's like, oh, it's going to be so perfect. The high is 79, and I was like. Well, yeah, that's better than like 76. I'm so excited. There's a low of like 60 tomorrow. I'm making chili tomorrow. There will be boots oh in this house. Oh my God, you are ridiculous. But I also buy for some chili. I need to pick up that bottle that we left. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that actually sounds pretty good. But yeah, like you guys are so crazy with your, you know, it's going to be 80 degrees. So it's like fall weather. And I'm just like, that are is you still kidding? It's, it's like an 18 degree <laughs> swing from normal. Of course, it's it's fall weather. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But anyway, so also that's the, the only high. Thing when I wake up and I'm drinking my coffee and game day and the slider is open, it's gonna be a glorious like sixty-five. I'll be using I still I still use I still do you ever drink iced coffee or are you a hot coffee all the time? Kind of I drink you know? iced coffee in the afternoons if I were to have coffee in the afternoons. I have to have hot coffee in the morning. It could be hundred and ten degrees and we could be at the beach or something and I will have hot coffee in the morning. So I'm an iced coffee like 11 months out of the year. And then that last month is not like a, a full month. It's whichever days are like in the forties and fifties, I'll get a hot coffee those mornings on the way in. Uh, but I, I am iced coffee all the way. It's too freaking hot for that. I don't know how you, it's like 9 million degrees. I'm sweating at like six 30 when I'm walking out to my car. I just can't, but I, I'm, I uh, I don't know what you call it. like I'm hot natured anyway. Like I I can't like I I guess I mean aren't we all? Yes, um, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I'm hot natured anyway. It's so like I sweat like all the like I'm sweating right now just sitting in here getting you know talking about college football. So like well, that's yeah, because I can't your team's do a hot garbage, coffee. not because your internal thermostat's broken. Wh- whichever way it works both ways. Like if we were good, I'd be doing the same thing. So um. It's when you're mediocre that you just don't care. Like Miami's, you know, run of mediocrity for the last 20 years. So um, I don't even know what we're talking about. Oh, what would worry me as a UF fan is if the game was low scoring, South Carolina hangs around. I think Florida wins any shootout it gets in this year. I think that, uh, you know, the the one that you're maybe worried about is – you know, I, I think Florida wins a shootout with UGA. Like, I think that UGA's defense is. Yeah, because UGA doesn't times. even really have a quarterback. It's interesting to see that Daniels was is good to go Saturday. And what will they do? Because I didn't, again, I didn't watch the second half, but Bennett, um, Bennett is not. Terrible. Or Bennett looked, yeah, he looked decent from his stat line. And I mean, they obviously scored 32 straight in the second half. So I don't know if he was really that good or what the situation was, but I'm very interested to see how UGA plays this, you know, and, and I would assume they start Daniels, but who knows, you know? So, but yeah, I think Florida in a shootout with anybody on their schedule, really anybody in the SEC minus Alabama, right? Like, you know, I'll take Florida in a shootout. The only reason I take Alabama in a shootout is because I trust their defense more, right. but you know, Florida, in a shootout in Jacksonville, I think that's a great thing for them. Florida struggled on offense the last few years uh, against ja- against you know Georgia. Everybody. I think Georgia's defense is Georgia's defense is really good, and so if you get in a shootout, that means you're you're beating their their best part of their team. You know, so um, 
So yeah, I don't think South Carolina really has much of a chance unless it kind of stays low scoring. There's mistakes and turnovers and, you know, I don't know that you're going to expect Trask to go out and throw six, seven touchdowns every game. Um, you know, some of his numbers are going to come down just because they're going to run the ball in <laughs> from time to time. Like it's pretty rare that you have six, six to zero passing to running touchdowns. I mean, usually you're going to have a couple that end up going in on the ground. So like some of his numbers are going to come down from that perspective, but uh, you know, I don't really see a way that South Carolina keeps it even close. It's just because I don't really trust their offense. So We'll see. Um, like you said, Florida's defense will get a little bit better this week, but uh, you know, Florida should be two and zero going to Kyle Field, and, and we'll see how how A and M looks afterwards. I think we're going to take this is so random. Florida State doesn't play till four, so I think we're going to take Atlanta to SeaWorld on Saturday morning to go to the Sesame Street Land, and then I'll get home and I'll watch your game on the drive home, and then watch um, our game and the Texas A and M game when I get home, but. Uh, that has nothing to do with anything, but I just wanted to flex on, um, you know, everybody that was listening that's not going to SeaWorld. So, um, other side of the state, we don't have to spend as much time here because I, I don't really have any kind of massive take or whatever. Um, Florida State's not very good. Um, they're they're pretty terrible. See, a um, really big understatement. I don't really know how. I mean, I try to use too foul of language well, on here, but. I don't really know how else to say it. They're, just well, not good. they're bad. They're terrible. They're, they're actually terrible. terrible. They're so much worse than I thought that they were. Um, I think that this probably shows that, which this is something you talked about last season, that there there really is some deep-seated problems at in the in that locker room. I think that we kind of related to to each other on this last season when I talked about when Urban Meyer left, the kind of deep-seated problems that were in the locker room that most people didn't one didn't know about two did if they did didn't really necessarily give a whole lot of credence to um being why it was going to be difficult to rebuild but uh, you know either people haven't bought in yet or the people that are in there are not the right fit for this system like this is going to take time this is a massive rebuild project uh, for Florida State I think there was a lot of people that thought like okay well better coach just automatically is going to mean better results because Florida State does have a lot of great players I saw a listing of blue chip players brought in over the last five years and Florida State has brought in I want to say they were like fourth or fifth on that list nationally with with blue chips being brought in. So there's talent in that locker room, which means, you know, something else is is a miss. But I mean, that was that was bad. They I mean, and and as good as I think Miami is, and I think they're good than I better than I thought that they were at the beginning of the season, they're good. Um Florida State beat themselves a lot of the time. Yeah. So Florida State had Miami in a couple of here's the here's the overall problem and i'll get back to that florida state quits um right like they've mm-hmm. got a bunch of losers yeah. on the team and i don't mean that from a personality perspective but it probably does carry over to personality but they got a bunch of losers that don't know how to want win have never wanted this level don't do well with they adversity at all right and so it's easier to just quit so what i will say is that florida state outside of clemson or dame is not going to play a team that is just going to absolutely be head and shoulders better than them for the rest of the schedule. Right. Um, And so I don't think you'll see, you could, but 
I don't think you'll see Florida State get their heads beat in like that. Um, every, you know, outside of that Clemson Notre Dame game, which you know, prayers up the Notre Dame game gets just gets canceled for the COVID stuff. But um, I, so I think Florida State will be in more games. But at the end of the day, they're still losers and they still don't know how to win. And I think that when the team punches them in the mouth in the fourth quarter, they end up losing by like seven to ten. Right? Like that's right. kind of. I don't think Florida State just gets there. I don't think that Louisville or well, Louisville does have a good offense. I don't think that like Duke or Virginia or NC State or some of these other teams are just going to come out and beat Florida State by forty, right? Like Miami. Miami is much much better than those teams. Yeah, but and so uh, the the gap is closer. So I think that almost is only good in horseshoes and hand grenades, right? Does it really matter if FSU gets their brains beat in and has fifty two points scored on them, or they lose by seven to ten because it's still a loss either way? Yeah, I think my point is that they'll be in more games, and so they'll just be coin flips. So you're claiming so like, a moral victory in this? Or is that like... No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm not explaining it well. They'll be in more games, and so they'll have opportunities to, to win. win those games. Right. I just, you yeah, know, like, when I look like at their it's, schedule, it's seven, it is very hard with, for me to find a lot of wins, or really many yeah, I, at all. I don't think there's many. Um, I think that we're also looking... I mean, we're also looking at two games in, and I think that if they play teams that are at the Georgia Tech, Duke, Virginia type level, they're going to be three to seven point games either way, right? Like that's kind of how it's going to yeah. go down. So I don't think that, you know, I, I don't. Uh, Here's the problem I, that I see. So Florida State's 0-2, right? They play Jacksonville State this weekend, which should be a win. So they should get their first win of the season. But then after that, they go into this gauntlet of Notre Dame, who is sitting at number seven right now. Um, they're North Carolina, Louisville, and then Pittsburgh over the course of four weeks. In theory, those could those probably will all be losses. Um, I think obviously Notre Dame and North Carolina, I think are for sure losses. I think Louisville and Pittsburgh in theory, if Florida state plays better than we've seen them play so far, but had the talent to do, maybe they get a win out of one of those. But if you drop to one and six, do you have it in you to then get those wins that are toss-ups later in the season? Or at that point, have you just lost the locker room? I think the way that the schedule is set up makes it, it makes it increasingly difficult to find those wins that I think are already difficult to find on that schedule. Yeah. I mean, potentially, I mean, but you, you got to assume that some of that same stuff is going to happen for some of those other teams too, right? Like we played Duke last game of the year and we're sitting at 0 and 2, but they're 0 and 3, right? Right. We play, okay, so good. So now you've so got two wins on the season. Sure. And so that's but you're going to have different situations like that with other teams too. So my thought is Florida State probably gets to three or four wins, right? Like that's yeah. kind of the outlook that, that I have. I think that and when you look at ESPN's FPI, which they've been pretty spot on with a lot of this, I didn't really understand their preseason ones. Florida State is a favorite in three games, Jacksonville state, Virginia, and Duke. Right. And I understand your, your theory or your thought process behind, uh, if you're so beaten down by the end, do you still play hard after that? I mean, I, I don't know, maybe, you know, I, I really don't, I, I don't know. We'll know point, a lot about this point, team. You, at that point, does, 
do they kind of just move to the younger players that maybe aren't as talented but give a little bit better effort? I mean, they're talking about doing that now. So, like, does that kind of turn things to to be a little better? So, like, that's if if they can win those three games they're supposed to win, um, the Pittsburgh and the NC State games are essentially coin flips. You just need to win one of those and you get to four wins, right? So that that's kind of the to me that's the path to getting to four wins. I'm not saying it happens. I think that's the ceiling. I think the floor is probably two wins. You know, you, you beat one of those teams at the very end, you beat Jacksonville state and then, you know, you, you end up with two, but I think the, the, the ceiling is, I don't know, four wins, five wins if things really turn around, but I, I don't know that I would, I'm not predicting either of those. I just think that that's kind of the way you get to it. I think we I, I expected know- to, I expected to lose the Miami game and lose it big, right? Like I don't, I didn't, I wasn't. You actually told me that uh, this game had been close. What eighteen of the last twenty years? It was decided by seven or less or something. So uh, I told, you I, didn't expect I, it to be this big. We can run back the tape, but I kind of gave my scenario of how Florida State could keep it close. But you my also prediction, gave two scenarios in terms right. of your and pick. One so was, you're and clearly one was not that getting, confident. One was us getting blown out 41 to 10. And then the other one was us losing 31 to 14, right? Like, so I thought that if we could have got, I mean, essentially if we get a stop or two, it's closer to 31 and I mean, 10 or 14, really no difference there. Like I just didn't see us scoring on them, but I mean, I got the offensive side, right? With the 10 points. Me so, too. I, and it, and um, actually had the right score for a while. I had picked 38-10. I didn't give Miami enough credit. I just think, this is what I think. In, in a month, we will be able to look at this team on the sidelines, look at the body language of, of players, look to see if they are still competitive, if they're still playing with each other as opposed to, you know, turning on each other. And that is going to tell us a lot about this Florida State team for the future. It's going to tell us a lot about Mike Norvell as their head coach, um, wins and, and losses completely aside, because this is a gauntlet for Florida State. They are not a good football team. Um, and you're right. They, I mean, they, they probably win four games at the most at the end of this season, but I think that we could, we're going to be able to tell a lot about this team in another month. So I have had a couple conversations and think that, I mean, the season is an absolute wash, right? Like what is the difference between four wins this year and one win answer? There's not, uh, it, it doesn't matter at all. And so my take would be to go ahead and move on to the younger players that you expect well, to contribute in the future. I, I hate and that though for older guys that stuck around. If the those guys aren't answer. putting the effort, if, if those guys aren't putting the effort forward, well, then put, I don't, putting I don't the effort forward is a different story. I, right. I think yeah, you get I, I think if, for not putting effort in, but yeah, I think it, there's that's, plenty that's of guys. There are plenty of guys who have dedicated their, you know, their bodies to this program who win, lose or draw need to have the opportunity to be on that field because they've earned it. So I don't like the idea of blanket moving on. I think anybody that hasn't bought in or anybody that isn't willing to give 100 percent needs to not be on that field. But I feel that way about any team on any given day. Um, So I don't think this scenario makes it any different. And I think you're seeing a lot of effort issues, right? You don't you don't give up 52 points without it being an effort issue, right? Um, you're you're not Florida State is not 
that much less ta- talented than Miami. They are not on 40 paper. They're more talented, points. right? And so it is an effort issue. And so you you do move on from them. Like that's enough. Like you, you are not losing to Georgia Tech talent level. Like I so right. yeah, right. culture, talent, all of that stuff. You are not forty points worse than Miami. Move on from them. I, I don't care if we lose every game by forty. You've got to start looking toward the future, and you know, I, I'm not saying you know if if and and I'm not using any one player specifically, but I don't care if they are guys that are looking to get drafted and improve their draft stock. I mean, they ain't, they ain't improving their draft stock going out there and losing by fifty. Florida State right. has one sack on the year, you know. Um, Florida State has Tamar and Terry, who is some heralded heralded great wide receiver has like no catches on the year, right? Like he has like a couple of catches for the whole season. So like, yeah, you I mean, they're not improving their stock or anything anyway. So I think it's just, you know, and I'm not saying just those two players, those are just kind of the big ones that people name. But I think that we have to have guys that have effort. And if that, if we're not getting that, then you know, we've got to move on. You know, we've got to find somebody else that will put effort forth. If that's a young guy, great. If it's a walk on, great. You know, whoever. But like right. the difference between again one win and four wins doesn't really matter. Now, if, again, if you were having some effort issues and you kept some guys in because you were competing for the ACC or you were, you know, trying to get from six wins to eight wins or seven wins to nine wins, sure, it's a little different. But I think it's if people aren't putting the effort forward, which clearly they're not right now. You've got to move on. You you've got to just it cannot be accepted anymore because that just that creates an even worse culture when sure. the coach does accept that. Oh, you want to put no effort forth, but because you're so and so, you get to start. Well, then the younger guys will be lost just like the older ones already are right now. So I, I don't, you know, I think it's you've you've got to kind of move on where you can, right? Like I don't think it's every single upperclassman is now blacklisted and can't play i just think you kind of evaluate who's given effort who's not and then you know say see you know, the ones that aren't and start yeah. building toward the future um because again moving on next next <laughs> next season is so much more important than this one right like you kind of get your one you know pandemic type year right but next year they've got to be more competitive all right that's my soapbox okay get off it let's move on um Outbreaks of of COVID um, with the Titans and Notre Dame. Are you are you concerned at all, or not really? Um, no. Uh, so Notre Dame has Notre Dame moved their game against Wake Forest, which was supposed to be last week because they had. I want to say I read maybe seven positives, something like that. Um, this week they have a few more, um, but several of the new more were already in quarantine because of contact tracing to the original seven. Um, so, you know, I don't think it's overly concerning. They have a bye this week. So at that point, by the time those two, um, you know, this two week period passes should, they should start back up the beginning of Florida state, uh, prep week. So, I mean, unless, unless this continues, I think Notre Dame will be fine. I did see that the Titans, uh, had a few players test positive. And so then as a result, the Vikings are also, um, halting activity for the, for the minute, for the moment. Um, but you know, on the NFL, the NFL is not bubbling, right? So that's, they're doing something different than baseball did. They're doing something different than, um, 
than the NHL did. That's they're doing different things than the NBA did. The, they're giving putting a lot of trust into their players. I guess it is similar to what baseball is doing because baseball is not really a bubble. Um, but baseball was able to figure it out after the Marlins had all those positives. Um, so it just basically is who's going to follow directions, right? Yeah, and I think that – I don't know. I think that teams will. I think that guys will. I mean, obviously NFL rosters are bigger, and so it's a little bit tougher, but I don't know. I think that it's also tougher because you're not traveling every day, right? Like with the MLB, you got to go to the ballpark every sure. single day, sure. right? Or if you're on the road, you're just in the hotel and well, I the also game. think So here, it's you're, you're off for the whole week, and so you want to go you – I mean, you're with your families and everything, yeah. and so it's – the MLB didn't bubble, but they kind of bubbled because again, bubble because of scheduling. Um, yeah, by nature, you're just going to be either at your ballpark or on the road every single day of the year. You yeah. Know? So now with the Titans, so they had um, they had three players test positive, five personnel test positive, but every single person has been asymptomatic. So they are retesting them and basically having they paused everything out of an abundance of caution. So the NFL's had a lot of false positives earlier in the year during camp. So in theory, we don't even know if these are true positives as of yet out of an abundance of caution. This is what they're doing, but I thought I saw, I thought I did see something right before we got on here that, that they were ruled out as false positives. Oh, so I so. haven't seen that. I just saw that they said that they're, um, that, that everybody, nobody had symptoms. Everybody's asymptomatic. So hopefully things can kind of pick back up, but I mean, I don't really care about the Titans or not. So it's like, whatever, you know? Um, yeah, they confirmed all per, per Mark Maskey. So an NFL reporter for the Washington post, um, no false positives with any of the, the tests. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think they'll pull it together just fine. If they have to postpone or reschedule the game, I mean, it'll be just like what the Marlins had to do. Mm-hmm. They'll figure out the scheduling and go from there. I think in a year like this, you can also, you know, to me, what would make sense? And I don't know. What are your, what's your take on this? Who who did the Titans play this week? Is it the Vikings coming up? Oh, no, they played them last week. Titans 2020 NFL schedule. So the Titans were to play – the Steelers coming up. Yeah, that probably would matter. The Titans are just so bad that I was going to say, if they were playing another really, really bad team, I think you just put that game toward the end of the year. And um, if it doesn't matter, just don't end up playing it. Right. Like just, if if both teams are eliminated, you just kind of cancel it. Right. Well, you have the ability to do that with the NFL. Right. So, I mean, I think that that should, that could kind of be, well, that's a little tougher for college too. What if you know? What if that situation arose and a college team had to cancel a game? Right? Like how that would be well, college is weird they, for like conferences and stuff. Most all of the oh. leagues, except for the Big Ten and the and the Pac twelve, built additional buys and weeks in. They are their plan is no matter what is to reschedule. You, a team would have to miss for the for the ACC or the SEC or the Big Twelve. There'd have to be three games that you've already canceled and scheduled to make up before that fourth game wouldn't happen. Right. So, I mean, they purposefully padded the schedule. I haven't looked at what the NFL layout is. And so the NFL may have padded the schedule for that purpose too. The but schedule never, yeah, it never changed. It was just, okay. It never changed. Okay. Was. But the, the NFL, 
again, because of the way that the playoffs are set up, it is less imperative to make up a game a lot of the time. Um, college, I think they're making it up no matter what. Like I said, they'd have to cancel and make up three games before that fourth one doesn't get played. They've, they've put a lot of wiggle room into there. Now the big, the the big 10 and the PAC 12 have some concern there because they're playing, you know, their six games in six weeks or eight games in eight weeks. Um, so that's a totally different story. And I think that, that we may see that become a problem because what do you do with a six and O Ohio state team? you know, versus a, let's say a nine and one team. Um, it, it gets kind of complicated. I know this is really semantics, but it's so funny to me that they're not including the big 10 in the top 25 poll, but they did include the sec for the two weeks. The sec didn't play. And I know the big 10's playing like later that I know it's more games off and it's very much semantics and stuff like that. But to me, it's just kind of funny that, you know, all of a sudden we think Ohio state is actually a top five team when we get to week six, but they're not right now. Like just put them in so that, you know, Ohio State's what in, the, it is. in the AP now. Have they put they them put, back? Yeah. They're at six. They put them back this week. They put, I think they put the coaches, they put them all back in the coaches poll last week, but then this is the first week that they're in the AP. Gotcha. So it just was funny to me. It's funny to me how they keep to now six. You know, they were two and then they took them out because they weren't playing. And now that they've put them back in, they put them back in at six, which is interesting. Which is, yeah, again, weird to me. I mean, the rankings are so meaningless. Honestly, they shouldn't rank anybody till like week six of a normal season. Let's call it week four of this season. Because it is hard to tell. And it's hard to move sometimes. So like if you are really far down, it is hard to get to the place that you want to get to. Um, right. There's, it's on there's been years of doing. And there's a lot of times where no one is going to contest that the SEC is the best, right? Like we get that. Right. But there's been years where like Auburn will be ranked like number seven and like they'll play year? somebody good. They'll be, well, to start the year, right? Yeah, I know. And then they'll, they'll play like somebody good or they'll, they'll win their first game and they'll move up to like six, right? Like five or six because there's an early season good matchup. And then Auburn will finish with like five losses, like all of the games that Auburn, you know, they lose to Bama and they lose to Florida and they lose to Georgia and then they lose to Texas A&M and then they drop another one. Right. But because they started out like number five, everybody has like a ranked, you know, like, oh, Florida got a ranked win and A&M got a ranked win. And probably by the end, Alabama didn't, but it doesn't matter anyway, because Alabama was so good. But like that counted for four ranked wins when in reality, like Auburn sucked. They went seven and five this year, but because you had a team ranked high every year, I don't know how it happens. Tennessee finds their way ranked to start the year. They go six and six, but there's a lot of hype and they find themselves ranked. Florida typically gets a, a win over a ranked Tennessee team because they play them early and then Tennessee loses like six more games and you're just like, but so yeah, I'm totally with you on the, we shouldn't rank teams until later in the year anyway, but the AP poll is sponsored. It's how, um, you know, everything flows out of the polls. I mean, obviously the entire um, sport flew out of the polls for a while, but everything flows out of the polls. And so, yeah, they want to rank matchups. The reason they took Ohio state and the big 10 out is so that they could rank Louisville and, Miami higher sure. and make that a a great game when in reality well it was a fun game back and forth but you know it looks better 
when it's 17 versus 16 than it does when there's just two unranked teams playing, right? right? So, I mean, it's all for ratings and stuff like that, but they are. They're absolutely meaningless. Um, You know. I was actually not that pumped that Florida got moved up to number three. I'd prefer to fly under the radar for a few more weeks, um, uh, honestly. And I know Georgia fans are super pissed that Florida – uh, has jumped them, which again is completely meaningless. So not even worth arguing over, but Georgia fans are here for it. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting to me that they jumped them. I, uh, I mean, Georgia again, didn't look good in the first half. Yeah. But um, you, I mean, you watched, uh, I guess you didn't watch the second half of the Georgia game, but if you watch both of those games, I think that even though the scores at the end would give you the impression that Georgia was the more dominant team out of those two games, just watching those two games, Florida was by far the more dominant team on offense, right? Georgia's defense is much better than Florida's was week one. Um, but again, I mean, we've talked Georgia's, about that. Like everything is Georgia's opponent was also worse. I mean, that's, I mean, we're really digging the bottom of the barrel when yeah. we're looking at Ole Miss and yeah, Arkansas. But, I mean, Ar- but yeah, but Arkansas, Arkansas is, is like worse. the worst team in the SEC last year. Sure. I mean, Ole Miss is like bottom three or four, right? I mean, it's not like Probably we're getting four. way – Yeah, it's like we're getting way, way no, high. No. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, but yeah, also, I mean, it's interesting to me that both of them would be ahead of Ohio State. You right. Know? <laughs> like right. why did Ohio State move back? Does, does anybody – I mean, I know you're you're a homer, but like – are you taking Florida over Ohio State right now? Well, on a neutral to, field. I mean, honestly, we have a I'm interested play, to but see. Like, they're gonna get know. they're gonna get seven or eight Big Ten tune up games before they have to go to the. I mean, they're they're gonna play absolutely nobody. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's like they're gonna win their games. I'm not convinced that they get all their games in, and I think that that's gonna have something to do with uh, Ohio State eventually not getting in. That's that's what I see happening. I think the Big Ten put their restrictions so tight because they don't actually want to play, and they want to say we gave it our best shot. Um, but when you look at what the requirements are for them, if an entire team, if the team positivity rate gets to 5%, they pause for a week. How do you pause for a week in an eight-game season and a 5% positivity rate? You're literally talking about five players. So here's my hot take of the day, which I don't even think it's a hot take. I think this is absolutely going to happen. And because you are who you are and we love each other so much, you're going to disagree. A 6-0 Ohio State team gets into the playoff. I'm just telling you, like the playoff uh, committee has so the rest much. Of the picture looks, in my opinion, they have so much respect. I mean, I don't even think that matters because I think a six and zero Ohio State team gets in over, over whoever the Big Twelve champion is, unless, especially with Oklahoma going down. I mean, unless the only scenario where it may not happen is if Texas runs the table and goes. What, what what will that be? Eleven and zero, twelve and zero with their conference championship. Yeah, Texas. That'd be the only. The yeah, that's the only scenario. So I'm just telling you, Ohio State wins all the games they play. Again, minus like if it's like two games or three games, if they win, if they go six and zero, the the playoff committee is going to say they did everything they could do. They won all their games. We know they're one of the best teams. They've got the best player in the country. We're we're putting them in. So um, anyway, that's my hot tag of the day. Real quick. Before we get out of here, we can recap, pick them, and then pick this week's. And yeah, um, Allie caught up a little bit this week, so we both took um, Auburn to beat Kentucky. We both got that right, though it looked a little hairy there for a minute. Um, Allie took UF. I almost got that right. If Lane Kiffin would have kicked that field goal, I'd have got that right at the end. 
Um, we both took Liberty. Neither of us got it right, but Liberty did win the game. So um, Liberty's going to go three zero this week because they they're like a thirty point favorite against whoever they they have. And so go uh, go Flames. FSU sucks, but go Flames. Uh, the FAU USF game got canceled, and Allie took Miami. I took Florida State. So Allie won three. I won one. Um, we are both seven for eighteen this season. So almost to fifty percent. We're getting closer. Um, Florida minus 18 and a half versus South Carolina. Um, I'll take UF. Um, I'm taking UF too. This will be the one that where they don't cover. They'll win by yeah, 17. It, it makes me nervous, but <laughs> I can't pick against them. So here we are. Um, Tennessee ranked again, always ranked early. Um, fresh off their win against South Carolina is a 10 and a half point favorite at home against Missouri. Hmm. Let's see. I am going to take Missouri. I, I think Tennessee wins. I just don't think they win by that much. I like Tennessee here. Um, I just don't think Missouri is very good. Uh, Alabama, 17 and a half points against Texas A&M. Bama. I know this is crazy, but I am going to take Texas A&M here. I think that Jimbo gets the guys ready and, uh, they they play better than they did last week. I also just am scared of that half point. Like I could see Alabama winning by 17. <laughs> so like that half point's kind of what worries me. Um UGA minus six and a half against Auburn. Uh go dogs here. I think that they end up covering the spread and, and obviously winning at home. I don't think Auburn's very good either. I'm taking Auburn. Could have guessed that was gonna happen. Um FSU minus 26 and a half against Jacksonville State. Jack State. I don't think they win, but I think I don't think that Florida State beats them by 27 points. I honestly don't think that Florida State does either. Let me just put on record. I, I don't think we cover the spread, but I'm still picking FSU just because I can't pick against them. just the same way you're going to pick UF every week. I just can't yeah. not pick us, but I just wanted out there that I think Jacksonville State covers. So, um, but I did pick MSU just when I'm writing these down. Last one Oklahoma lost last week. They are a touchdown favorite, six and a half points at Iowa State, who Iowa State lost their first game uh, as well. Matt Campbell and them there. So, who do you like there? Um, I Iowa State did not lose. Oh, yeah, they did. They lost to uh, Louisiana Lafayette, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm going to take Oklahoma to cover. Okay. Me too. I think they bounce back and will end up probably winning the rest of their games, but uh, I think they definitely cover this one. So, all right, that's all we got. We'll recap them next week. We did six games this week to try and catch this up because one of them will inevitably get canceled like sure. every week. So, um, other than that, hopefully we were t- we are talking about our first FSU win of the season next week. But other than that, I don't have anything else. All right, I'm just excited. More football, yay! 